I love reading romance, even with my mom. Historical, paranormal, a good rom com. We both like a grump, an alpha, and a beard. But reading with my mom, well, it gets kind of weird. I'm reading steamy scenes, getting bothered and hot. But if mom is asking, I read it for the plot. We look for swoony scenes, those moments that delight. Communication's good, and the banter's so right. So if you'd like to read along and join the group, here's a little secret, I'll let you into the loop. It's just a little show that we like to dub, not your mom's romance book club. Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's, who's kind of a bitch. I'm <laughs> as always, it is my mom. Do you guys see how she treats me? I'm such a loving mother. And she treats me so badly. Today we're chatting about the charm offensive by Alison Cochran. But first, mom, do you remember what you've been reading? <laughs> okay, so insight, you guys. This is behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Um, we about five minutes ago um, finished recording this episode. And then when I looked at my computer, it had not been recording or deleted it. I say deleted it because it was doing everything it was supposed to be doing. But, so this is... I'm sure Ellen messed up somehow. <laughs> this is our second time doing this full episode. So, so if it sounds like we've talked about all this stuff before, <laughs> we have. We have. If it sounds like we've talked about all of your comments before, <laughs> we, we have. have. Um... Uh, hey, Mom, what have you been reading and watching? <laughs> oh, Ellen, weird that you ask. <clears throat> I did read the second book, A, A Conspiracy, Conspiracy in Belgravia, yeah. <laughs> which Mom did not remember the first time. <laughs> but I do now. Um, the uh, Lady Sherlock book, and I really enjoyed it. I liked this one better than the first one. So if you read the first one and you're, and you're on the fence, on the fence with it, keep reading because the second one's even better. And I'm going to read the third one next. So, well, I say read, but I'm going to listen to it. Um, and then I read this book. So, The Charm Offensive. Um, watching, my husband and I watched the whole first season of Reacher, mm -hmm. which um, we enjoyed. It's, it's very um, brutal in a lot of places. Okay. But... Um, it's interesting because I was reading a thing that said, because they made those Reacher movies. I think there's just the one, right? I think there were two. Oh, okay. I might be wrong, but I think there's two. Okay. Um, with Tom Cruise. And the people who've read the books were really disappointed because I guess Reacher in the books is supposed to be this huge bulk of a man. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, Tom Cruise just can't really pull that off. He can do action, but he's not a big brawny guy. And, um, are there two of them? Oh, no, I didn't look that up. I thought that's what you were looking up. I was playing Sudoku while you were <laughs> Oh, my gosh, I hate you so much. <laughs> You're not riveted by my amazing story about Reacher? I've heard all this before. So the new guy, um, is much more Reacher-esque. Yeah. And, um, and they do all they can to get clothes off of that man, and I'm here for it. <laughs> They're doing the Lord's work. I will support them in that. I will do a GoFundMe to get that man's clothes off. <laughs> um, we saw Tom Cruise in real life at Comic-Con. Yes, we did. Um, he's a very p 
petite man. <laughs> I wouldn't, because, like, obviously he's short. He's very short. But he's, there. Mom and I were just talking about. <laughs> Weird. We were just having this conversation. <laughs> we were talking about how, like, everybody that we've met in person is so much smaller, smaller than you think. Than Not they look. only shorter, but just, like, tinier. Like, we saw, we were walking across the street at Comic-Con, and we were standing right next to Felicia Day, who is on a bunch of stu- nerdy stuff that we like. And um, she was, like, I didn't even recognize her at first solely because she was so much smaller than I expected her to be. Like, just in every way, smaller. Yeah. Um... And it just seems like that's kind of the... Seth Green, your friend, Seth Green. My friend, Seth... My Is best a friend, man. Seth Green. Yeah. Um, yes, very short. And, um, but yeah, everybody that I've met in person is, like, really small. The only, like, two people where I was like, oh, you're huge, <laughs> um, was Alexander Skarsgård and Joe Maginello. Yeah, yeah, because they are. Yeah. And, and I'm here for that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I know uh, my husband was actually, he's met several people on airplanes. He, but he met um, Jason Momoa when he was on Game of Thrones. Did he? And, yeah. And he said he's ginormous. Yeah. And then he met Danny Trejo. Trejo. And he said he's tiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I have had a busy week, no matter what mom says. I didn't say you weren't busy. You always, like, every time I say that I'm busy, you're like, okay, one hour. Oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) I was super busy, too. Yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Go ahead, tell us about your busy week. We'll Well, all commiserate with poor Ellen. um, I had to make a birthday cake for my niece. You decorated a cake. I decorated a cake that mom made from a box. (laughs) I had to make four of them because it was a ginormous cake. Well, my my niece, my niece, my granddaughter for her birthday wanted a wedding cake. <laughs> she wanted a wedding cake, and um, she wanted my because I was making the family party cake, and her mom made the like birthday party, like the friends. Well, she birthday. got. I don't think she made it, but she bought it. No, Kristen made. Oh, did she? Kristen made, the, and and so she made this like little three tier cake, and Emmy was like, I was imagining it to be. Bigger, <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> like celebrities? Cakes are like celebrities, <laughs> and um, and I so I was just Kristen's hype woman. I was like, It's the most beautiful cake I've ever seen, Kristen. <laughs> Emmy, that's the most beautiful cake I've ever seen. Well, um, this is what Emmy wanted. She wanted a wedding cake with pink frosting and blue and blue decorations. Yes, so. That's so what... I delivered that. <laughs> Ellen it. did. Ellen did. Um, and then she wanted a funfetti cake with pink. Yes. Yeah, so a she pink had funfetti. Fe- pink funfetti cake. Four cakes. I made four cakes. You made six cakes. Well, I did, but with four, four boxes. cake mixes. Yes. It was a lot of effing cake. I've made that much cake before. Whatever. It, it, no, when I do it, it's way more. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> um... <laughs> So I did that. I went to an escape room this week and made another leaderboard. So I'm so proud. I'm, I've never been prouder. I'm basically <laughs> really literally uh, never been prouder. <laughs> well, your children don't give you much to be proud of. Um, so I'm basically an escape room pro now. 
Um, and I really haven't been watching anything else. No. I started watching Encanto because all of my kids are like, Miss Lloyd, you haven't seen Encanto? Encanto? And have, hearing a bunch of five-year-olds put a really strong emphasis <laughs> on the pronunciation of Encanto is my favorite thing <laughs> Um... But so so she's watched like the first five minutes because yes. she had to go. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm still in the middle of listening to No Rest for the Wicked, which is the second book in the Immortals After Dark series. And um, those I'm right at the very saucy part. <laughs> and I was driving around doing errands and listening to this really saucy part. And I, I was like... Even, anytime I come to a stoplight when I'm listening to those books, I'm always just like, I'm just going to turn it down just in case. <laughs> in case someone can hear it through my... Because it's, it's really... Because you need it loud when you're driving. Yes, you because do. you've got to be able to hear it over... And so then when you stop, it seems like so much louder. And especially when you're listening to like really sexy stuff, it's like, I don't want it to be this loud. So I'm just going to turn yeah, you it down. Do. Yeah, you do. Well, I do personally. <laughs> but... Um, also I will say, because this book is about one of the, like, Estonian vampires, and the Estonian accent that, I don't know if it's just in general, the or that this guy is doing on the audiobook, is not quite as sexy to me as the Scottish accent from the, from you the know, first Scottish book. werewolves. Um, but... You know, there have been oh. other books where I, what was it? I listened to one and the guy had a French accent. And I was like, you know what? This isn't doing anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against French people. I'm sure you have lovely accents. But um, there are certain accents that just aren't as sexy. Well, in French, it should be because they're very sexually oriented people. But um, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And I think it was even like a, um, maybe it was even a Creole French. I don't know. I can't remember. But. I know I've listened to some books where it's like, okay, this is the accent, and I'm sure he's doing a great job at it, but I, I, yeah. I'm not enjoying it. There's just, like, a lot of times where I'm listening where because it's like, no, you are my bride! And I'm like, that's not hot to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, no means no. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Today, yet again, <laughs> we are chatting about The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran. It is her debut novel that came out this past September, and it was a Goodreads Choice Award nominee for Romance. Her second book, Kiss Her Once for Me, is set to come out later this year and is being described as a sapphic Christmas rom-com, um, so be on the lookout for that. The back, discover <laughs> the back cover description for The Charm Offensive reads as follows. <laughs> Davdish Pandey has always believed in fairy tales, so it's no wonder then that he spent his career crafting them on the long-running reality dating show Ever After. As the most successful producer in the franchise's history, Deb always scripts the perfect love story for his contestants, even as his own love life crashes and burns. But then the show casts disgraced tech wonderkind Charlie Winshaw as its star. Charlie is far from the romantic Prince Charming Ever After expects. He doesn't believe in true love and only agreed to the show as a last-ditch effort to rehabilitate his image. In front of the cameras, he's as he's a stiff, anxious mess with no idea how to date 20 women on national television. Behind the scenes, he's cold, awkward, and emotionally closed off. 
as Dev fights to get Charlie to connect with the contestants on a whirlwind worldwide tour. They begin to open up to each other, and Charlie realizes he has better chemistry with Dev than any of his female co-stars. But even reality TV has a script, and in order to find the happily ever to find happily ever after, they'll have to reconsider whose love story gets told. Hey mom, um, I'm curious. <laughs> what did we what did you think of the charm offensive? You have no idea? I have no idea. What I, I thought. Know. I'm gonna give this one a really, 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 really liked. Close to a love. Couple little issues, but nothing that you know, destroy the story for me. I really enjoyed this book. Yes. I am also the same. I'm a really like on the verge of a love. Um, what I will briefly say, and we will get into it later, is while I really respected the inclusion of all the mental health representation, I personally got bogged down a bit in it. I think it's probably a time and place thing. I think it's an Ellen had to read a book in a day, as she always <laughs> does, and maybe she wasn't ready for this book at this time. But everything else, I loved about it. I loved their love story. I loved the setting. I loved all that stuff. So, um, possibly a personal thing, but um, I just couldn't quite get it to a love. So we'll talk more about it. We will. Um, I also realized something about um, me and reading romance. Because I, w I was reading this book and I was thinking about other male-male romance books that we've read. And um, I was like, what is it about reading a male-male romance that always just kind of leaves me like, oh, this is so sweet. I just love <laughs> reading this like just like sweet little love story. It's just... It's so, um, charming and wholesome. And, um, I kind of realized about myself that I think when I'm reading a male-female romance as a single woman, there's a part of me that inserts myself in the story and thinks, like, oh, this would be so nice if this happened to me. Or, like, you know, kind of puts myself in the shoes a bit. But when I'm reading a male-male book, I kind of can separate myself more and just kind of read it as an observer to this love story. And it's just, I'm still a person who loves love. And so it's just nice to read it without any strings <laughs> tied to it, I guess. Um, and I was telling Ellen that I think... So this shows the difference in the way that we read romance. I think I read all the romance that we read with as an outside observer. I don't normally put myself in the story itself. Just And I think it has to do with my age. Because well, and I'll say I never realized I do that. But I was trying to figure out, like, what is it about reading male-male that makes me do that more? But, um... Anyway, <clears throat> anyway so you interrupt me. But, well, um... <laughs> uh... I, I think it has to do with my age because a lot of times we're reading about, you know, 25 to 30 year olds and I am not of that age group. And also because of my situation in life, I'm a happily married woman and uh, I don't feel the need to put myself in these stories. So I, I think I read almost all of our stories as an outside observer looking in. There you go. And therein lies the difference. <laughs> 
and how we look at romance books. <sighs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> That's all we're going to say. No, I'm just um, okay. What did we think of Dev as one of our heroes? Um, I really liked Dev. I liked his story arc, how he starts out as this happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And then as the story, as we get into the story, we get more of kind of his struggles and what he's going through and then you know and I do like okay I'm, I'm gonna bring it up I don't like that he ghosts everybody at the end of the book I don't like him turning off his phone and and mm -hmm. you know spoiler alert mm -hmm. um not responding to anybody about anything but I do like the fact that he's getting the therapy he the needs help that he needs um Yes, I I loved Dev. Um, he's such a sweetheart, and I love this kind of visual of him just kind of flitting around the set and just, you know, Charlie falls in love with him because he's just got such a big heart, and he just is always making people feel welcome and making sure everybody's comfortable and things like that. And so I really like that aspect of Dev. And they kind of make an interesting flip because in the beginning... Charlie is kind of the really closed off, um, awkward, awkward one. And Dev is this really big personality, very gregarious. And, um, and then I would say it's around when Dev has his episode in, in Munich where Charlie kind of steps up to the plate and takes, and takes the more emotionally open, um, well, I think the story arc is, is Charlie's becoming more emotionally open Yeah, through what Dev has helped him with a mm -hmm. lot of the time. And then when Dev really needs him, Charlie's there for him. And then that kind of role reversal yeah. takes place where Charlie is, or Charlie becomes stronger and stronger while, where Dev uh, needs more and more and help. He starts to kind of backtrack or yeah. backpedal a little bit um, on his mental health, I would say. And, um... It wasn't a flip I was expecting, and so I, I really um, liked that aspect of the story and, and how it was handled. Um, and there's a point where Dev is talking to, I think, Jules after, about his breakup with Ryan, and she says, you know, at one point during the breakup, you told me that sometimes easy is better than happy. And I think that he's just kind of started to live his life like that where you know um sometimes the easy route is better than being actually happy and so that's kind of why he hasn't been taking care of himself like he should be and and going after all the things he deserves and um I think I think I sort of related to some of that I, I definitely know that there's things in my life where I think maybe I've gone easier rather than happier so I liked that and um well, I think sometimes you know we stay with a job we don't love because it's easier or we you know you stay in a relationship because it's easier mm -hmm. um yeah and that's exactly what Dev is doing with his yeah. life um but yeah I really liked his journey I think he, between the two of them I think he kind of pissed me off more um <laughs> he had more instances where I was just like come on Dev but um but I still loved him and I still yeah. like wanted I still always wanted the best for him and um 
So I'm glad that, yeah. Like he was sweet and charming and funny and, um, yeah, I, I really liked Dead a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, but what did you think of Charlie as our other hero? I loved Charlie. I loved Charlie. I just want to give Charlie, like, a big hug. He just needed, <laughs> like, some love. Um, even just, like, friendship love. You know, he just needed more love in his life. He just needed more people... Definitely. Loving on him. And his family was not very yeah, kind to him. I know. Um, so I just, I loved him. I loved, I mean, he really, like, goes on a journey in this, uh, yeah. in this book in so many ways, like, both in his mental health and his um, kind of sexual discovery and, um, yeah, and falling in love and all that stuff. So. Well, and... Um, I don't think, I can't remember us ever having read a book with a, a male character who hasn't realized yet that he's gay. And were they both out in um, boyfriend material? I can't remember. Yes, they okay. were. Um, yes, okay, they were, yes. And, uh, and I don't, and especially not a virgin. And so yeah. seeing all that, was, it was really interesting. It was very... Yeah. I mean, mom's already heard me make this comparison, but he's just a little baby deer, like, figuring yeah. out how to walk. Standing on little wobbly legs. Yeah, and he's just, you know, <laughs> he's just figuring stuff out. And, um, and, yeah, I just, I, I really, I mean, like, I loved Dev. I really loved Charlie. Char Charlie was the one that I just was like, I must protect him at all costs, yes. and if anybody hurts him, I will stab a bitch. Like, yeah. seriously. <laughs> You're like, Parisa. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Mom, it's been well documented on this show that you love reality TV. I hope you're being sarcastic, because I do not <laughs> love reality TV. Um, what did you make of The Bachelor setting here? I actually didn't mind it in this book, because... This book calls out most of the stuff that I don't like about reality TV. I don't like the cattiness. I don't like the ugly side of humanity that it shows. And um, just, I'm not a fan of, I guess, real life. I'm not a fan of real life. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. And, you know, it's not real life because 98% of it is scripted. And I, I'm just not a fan. Um, I think this is my, so we read one to watch, but I think I much prefer this depiction of, you know, for all intents and purposes, The Bachelor. It's very much The Bachelor. <laughs> yes. Um, it is it's kind of pretty hokey. The whole fairy tale thing is pretty yeah. hokey. I mean, that's even worse than like actual <laughs> Bachelor. Um, but I think she seems kind of in line with my own views on reality TV shows because she... I won't speak for her, but it seems like she gets how ridiculous and stage it is, um, but probably still enjoys it is kind of the vibe that I get. And um, that's kind of where I am too. I get it's ridiculous and stage, but I also appreciate that they do capture like some real humans having real interactions even if they're forced, staged, led by producers. Manipulated. It's still people saying 
real things sometimes. That's the part I don't like. I love it. I'm here for it. I mainly just love to see, like... I don't get how... I don't like how awful they are all to each other. Um, you're wrong. That's the best part. (laughs) Okay. I love... But I like the... Um, first of all, I love, like, the characters that come out of, like, a RuPaul's Drag Race or something like that. Don't get me started. That's just as bad as any of them. Shut your mouth. (laughs) Um, and I love, like, Big Brother because you get to, like, really see, um, that has a... Okay, that, I mean, that's, that's got definitely, like, led by producers vibes to it, but that is, like... I mean, they're just being filmed nonstop. Like, that is real interactions. And so, I like that one because you get to see the interplay of, like, game strategy and, like, how humans react when they're, like, shoved in a house together and told to fight over half a million dollars or whatever it is now. Um, It's the best, Mom. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you will. Because <laughs> also, you don't watch enough of them to actually have a valid opinion. I like British Bake Off where they're all sweet to oh each other. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's a reality TV show. Yeah, see? Um, anyway. Um, and I love the, like, conversation that Dev and Ryan are having. And, um, uh, Dev is like, no, we make people fall in love. And Ryan's like, No. Love is a <laughs> unintentional byproduct of this we show. We make drama. Yeah. And love is a, a byproduct. Yeah. And I also love Jules saying, like, you get that our show is ridiculous, right? We sent a group of women skiing in Switzerland in bikinis. Like, <laughs> our show is stupid. And, uh, yeah. That I, is pretty stupid. I love that. Um, <clears throat> okay. We have dev fighting off depression and fighting the very idea that he even has depression and then charlie dealing with anxiety and ocd um what did you think of the mental health representation in this book which we've vaguely touched on but um i enjoyed i always like reading about stuff that maybe i'm not super familiar with and learning more about it and you know how to interact with people who have who, you know, have these things and, and, um, just kind of how they're feeling and what's going on in their brains sometimes when stuff like this is happening. Cause I, you know, haven't talked to a lot of people who have these kinds of things. And, um, I really enjoyed that. With that said, I do think it kind of dragged out a little in the middle yeah. where, um, you know, we got a lot of talking about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very well handled and I was very impressed with like her sensitivity to both of their issues. Um, I, uh, I am totally here for having two people with mental health issues falling in love. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, I just don't know that mentally, I was in the right mindset to read about quite so much. And so I think, like, personally for me, it would have been aided by maybe just having one of them be dealing with... Well, we go through the whole beginning of the book with Charlie. With Charlie and his anxiety and and things that he's dealing with. And 
then once he starts to kind of start feeling better, then it's just Deb yeah. goes off. And um, so it's just like a whole book. Yeah. And I'm, it's like I said, I, I love that it's there. Um, and I think it's like super important to talk about. And I really, um, <clears throat> yeah, kind of like you said, I, I loved getting to see um, maybe, especially like OCD, you know, I'm kind of aware of it and what it includes, but kind of seeing it played out through a character and um, seeing the kinds of things that it involves play out, I guess, more so than just hearing about it. Um, I really appreciate and respect, but it was, um, I think it was just a lot. I, I was just getting bogged down by so much of it, I guess. It is interesting to see. And, you know, as you read, because I kind of think, well, everybody has a little OCD. You know, there's, everybody has some little things that they're OCD about. And no matter, you know, well, but I think, it is. I know that I've heard that it's offensive to kind of refer to like being clean and me as OCD so well I'm and I'm not talking necessarily about that it's just like and I know it's not OCD but just like you like certain things a certain way and it grates on you when they're yeah. not that way yeah <laughs> but when when he was freaking out about the stain the stains on the shirt and um I thought um oh, honey you couldn't be around me because I almost always have something dripped down my yeah. <laughs> couldn't be a kindergarten teacher <laughs> Um, but, um, I wanted to, to read this one quote about Dev. Um, this is Charlie thinking about Dev. It says, most of the time Dev is like a human bonfire walking around generously warming everyone with his presence, but burning that bright and that fiercely must be exhausting. No one can sustain it forever. Charlie wishes he could tell Dev it's okay to flicker out sometimes. It's okay to tend to his own flame, to keep himself warm. He doesn't have to be everything for everyone else all the time. Um, and I really liked the inclusion of um, someone who's very positive and happy and fun um, having problems with depression because that's a thing that happens. And I think people need to have a better understanding of, like, how it actually works. And um, Yeah, and, and I, it almost... I mean, I got the vibe from the book that he almost when he's not having an episode of depression, he like feels the need to be even bigger and brighter because he needs to make up for the fact, cause he knows it's going to come at some point and yeah. he needs to kind of make up for that. Um, anyway, it was, yeah. But it's also like he needed to get, cause he ha he thought of himself as like fun dev and then depressed dev. Yeah. And, um, kind of just shoved depressed Dev under the rug and didn't think about it until it became an issue. And really what he needed to do was marry the two so that depressed Dev didn't come out as much and um, figure out a way to take care of himself better and kind of even out his keel, I guess. Yeah. Because um, I think he just, yeah, he just burns himself out. and um, Well, and I think you know, he kind of shuts down when something triggers it too. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. It was a little heartbreaking to, to watch. Yeah, him. for sure. Um, but again, really appreciate and respect like her, including all of that. Just 
I wasn't entirely sure. At the end of the day, I wanted to read all about it. That in <laughs> one the sitting, entire book. I guess. And that's maybe another part of my problem. Um, okay, so there's also a lot of exploration of sexual identities and discovering of sexual identities. Uh, what did you think of that? Um, I appreciated it, and I appreciate it anytime I learn more about all that, because I don't really know all the names and all the different... Mm-hmm. I mean, I always learn something new when I read these books. Yeah. And, um, and I appreciate it. It was funny to me <laughs> that this um, television show, which is, I guess possible but i'm not sure how um accurate the percentage of heterosexual to (laughs) heterosexual people to um you know people on this sexuality spectrum uh is especially on this particular show yeah this particular show (laughs) it seemed like everybody um except for one person there was maureen was the only person that seemed to be a heterosexual person and she turns out to be the villain, which is, you know, I don't know, not fair. But, um... We're not all villains. <laughs> so, um, anyway, it was, there was a lot of it. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was thinking maybe Charlie is bisexual, and then gay, and then he seems, like, demisexual. But I kind of like that she left it as kind of open-ended, and he even has the conversation where it's like, yeah, I don't know that it's like super important to me to have a label and um I, I think I, I just know that I love Dev like that's and I know it's I mean I know there's a name for it but I don't know what the name is but um where a person loves the person regardless of their you know gender it's like Pam sort of is that um but it's it's you you know, and I think that might, he might even be that, where he just, he loves Deb, and yeah. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Wouldn't have mattered what his gender was. Yeah. And, but, um, and, and yeah, because it, it is all kind of a spectrum in and of itself, and so I like that he's just like, I don't know, I don't know what I am. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll figure, figure it out, out or I he's won't. He's still on those wobbly legs. He's a little baby, a little baby deer. <laughs> let, let, give him a little time. Yeah. Um, or even if he doesn't, that's okay yeah. too it's just you know he just knows he loves death and that's yeah. all that's important to him um but yes i i found all of that interesting and you know you've also got like daphne figuring her stuff out and um and yeah just a lot of and i liked a lot of the conversations that charlie had with parisa and kind of her kind of guiding him to yeah. water and just kind of like, you know, there's just figure, your, you know, figure yeah. yourself out in your own time. Don't try don't, things out. Don't make a big deal about it. Just yeah. be happy. Yeah. Um, speaking of Parisa, what did you think of the side characters? I really liked the side characters. I love Parisa and Jules. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Ryan. I liked the fact that Ryan starts out as kind of a, like a bad guy, like you think, oh, I'm going to hate Ryan. He's a, he's a dick. Mm-hmm. And then he turns out to be, you know, an okay guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't a great boyfriend, and maybe they weren't great together, but... Um, I don't even think you can say that he, like, wasn't a great boyfriend. I think he just wasn't a great boyfriend for Deb. For Deb. I would agree with that. Because I, I really like that moment where, you, like, because you spend the first half of the book thinking that Ryan's, like, an asshole. But then, you know, Deb and Ryan have that conversation, and... And Ryan's like, 
I tried to reach out to you, but like you pushed me away every time, you know, and you didn't want me to see that side of you. And so I think he tried, but there's only so much that, you know, you want to try and, you know, cause you also begin to start to feel rejected to a certain point. Well, like and I when, think also he probably thought, okay, when Deb is like this, he needs his space cause he's obviously pushing yeah. me away. So I think he just tried to give him space when he was like that. But Charlie <laughs> is better for Dev because Charlie just realizes like, no, I'm going to fight tooth and nail to like let him. I'm going to always reach out for you. Yeah. And, um, so that's why I think obviously Charlie is a better fit for him than Ryan. And, but I like that. I d- like, I liked that, that I, like, completely yeah. had a turnaround on Ryan. I thought that was cool. Um, I also liked An- Angie and Daphne a lot, and they're the only two contestants <laughs> who I know that their personality and, you know, their character matches their name. I don't know any of the other contestants. Even Lauren, at the end, <clears throat> she was, like, the third to the last person to get kicked off. And... um I was like, I don't really even know. I was know like, which for- one is she? <laughs> I don't even know who this is. Was she the med student? I, I don't know. I can't remember either. Yeah. Or no. I think Angie or one of them was the med student. Anyway, um, yeah. And she I mean she was there for a long time and I still didn't know her. We knew yeah. I knew Megan. Angie was the med student. Yeah. She was the one that like they were thinking about having her be on the show, but she was gonna go actually be a doctor. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so keeping those women, I, I didn't even try to, and I think they kind of did that on purpose. Yeah. I think they didn't want to bog us down with all these women who really, <coughs> in the long run, weren't important. That's very true. Um, and I respect that. Cause yes. Cause I hate, we would have complained if they tried to keep all these women straight. Yeah. Especially like the book was kind of long enough. So yeah. <laughs> if it had dwelt too much on any the rest of that, it would have been a lot. Um, okay. So you've hinted at it, but let's talk about the conflict. Yeah. The conflict. Okay. Anytime they shut off their phone, I want to strangle somebody. Yes. I don't think people do that in the real world. I, I don't think that if someone is really trying to reach out to someone, they just I mean, don't, they just ignore them. That seems, and with him going through therapy, I'm surprised his therapist didn't say, you know, Hey, maybe your friends would like to help you with some of this. Yeah. Maybe not close off to your friends. Especially since I get the feeling that like, the therapist is watching the show and knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or at least that, his like, wife, he, he said his wife watches, so at least his yeah. wife should say something to him. Yeah. I don't, well, maybe she doesn't know. No, that, that it's, it's patient. <laughs> it's patient. But, um, anyway, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I was glad he was getting the help that he needed, but I don't think it's rational to turn your phone off and just completely, like, maybe he... For three months. For that's three the, months. That's the thing. Is it? And they've been trying months. to contact him the whole time. It seems like at some point he would just say, "Look, I just you know, send shoot out a text, a group text, even yeah. that just says I'm working on some stuff. I'm like, taking care of myself. Okay, so I'll, I'll contact you guys later. At the end of the day, this one doesn't bother me as much as some of them do because it's not from like a I just can't. I, I just deal can't with it. deal with it right now. It's from a, I need to separate myself from this toxic environment. I need to yeah, work on take myself. care of myself. And so I respect that. But three months is a long time. It is a long time. And um, I don't think that it was like the healthiest of decisions when he's trying to make healthier decisions. And um, I really like the moment when like Jules shows up and she's like, 
listen, I know I'm not the most, like, emotive person, but that really hurt my feelings, because, like, we're friends, and you shut me out, too, and, like... You left me, too. Yeah. And, um, so, I get, I get what, what its purpose is, though, which I think is to give us that kind of grand finale running through the airport to make it to the live taping on time. Yeah. Um, kind of energy that you wouldn't have gotten, but it seems like there could have been other ways to do that. Um, yeah, I, I never like when they <clears throat> cut off communication. Yeah. Um, just cause I don't think it's realistic. The reasoning is better here than most, but it's, it's, but it's also longer than most. Yeah. Like we bitch and complain when it's like somebody does it for an hour. So especially after, you know, Charlie has professed his love for him, which is out of, you know, which is new and unusual for Charlie. And he steps outside of his comfort zone to be vulnerable like that. And then he just walks away. Like during the night sneaks away. Yeah. And leaves him alone in this, Toxic environment environment. where he has, like, come out to everybody and nobody has, like, stood up for him. No one in the whole cast of all these, you know, spectrum of sexualities, does anyone step up and help the guy? Yeah. Or, like, take his side. Yeah. Which Um, seems wrong I also, like, uh, I get that it was for his job and for Charlie's job. But I kind of, I it didn't bother me as much reading it, but I kind of took issue after the fact when I got thinking, like, it kind of seems to, like, Dev's persistence in, like, trying to shove Charlie into the show when they are having, like, an honest-to-goodness, like, relationship seems sort of like shoving him back in the closet, which kind of, like, rubbed me the wrong way after the fact, where it's kind of like... No, little baby deer needs to like <laughs> well, and run especially because he would, <laughs> he's like pushing the show, but then he would get jealous whenever he's doing stuff with these yeah. women. It's like, dude, you can't, like, you're all over the place with this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I get, you know, he wanted to protect his job, and he was also trying to like he thought that Charlie wanted to get back in tech and all that stuff, but. It just kind of, like, rubbed me the wrong way after And the that's fact. another thing. <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> you know, I know a lot of techie guys who are super quirky. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I don't know, the whole idea of, you know, him having some kind of an anxiety attack and then everybody, you know, at the company saying, oh, he can't, he can't work here anymore because he's obviously can't control himself. And it's like, yeah. um, I don't know that you would take the person who started the company and is obviously like needed at the company with yeah. his knowledge and you know, the fact that he wants him back right away. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It just seems like, uh, I don't know. I did. I didn't buy it. Yeah. But, we also, um, I forgot that we haven't mentioned this, which was like your big quibble in the first place with the book is, um, um mom and I were talking about how, we have a hard time buying into the fact that um, Charlie ends up on the show. Yeah. For many reasons. <laughs> well, the fact that he doesn't like to be touched, the yeah. fact that he has anxiety issues, the fact that he's a virgin, all these things 
seemed to me that they would have been vetted out. Well, there's been virgins on. Well, I know, Bachelor, and, and that's fine. But I don't think they. I don't think he told them that he was a virgin. No, he didn't. And um, and listen, they they run that mill dry when uh <laughs> when it's a thing yeah like, there was one that was a virgin and they would not shut up about the fact that he was a virgin so um but anyway there was just a lot of things going on with charlie and i don't think that it was kept super secret that he had had this well and att anxiety attack at work and yeah and it's like we were saying there's there's i mean from the casting perspective which i have some experience with um, there's no way in hell that they would have let him on the show without any sort of camera test. He would have needed to be approved. I mean, it's not just like a Maureen thing. It's like he needed to be approved by the network and all these kinds of things. And it's just, it, I don't, I Well, just, the fact that they were pissed off that he couldn't ride a horse. It's like, so teach him to ride a horse before you put him on a horse. put him on the yeah. beach. Yeah, or, I mean, there's a million things yeah. you could do. Um, um, but also the fact that, he knows he's got all these anxieties and all these hangups and all these things going on. And it seems to me the last place. I mean, I get that he wants to fix his reputation, but there's first of all, so many better ways yeah, to do it. I don't know that going on a reality show is going to fix your reputation. It seems to me like there's yeah. a million ways to fix your reputation better than that. Especially like your professional reputation. Yeah, it seems like a silly way to. Um, anyway. But that was just. Yeah. A quibble that I. Realized we had that I had and talked about. I found it um, not very realistic. Yeah. Um. So that's the conflict. Um. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about sex, baby. Um. Pretty, pretty like fade to black. Fade to black. Close door. I mean, it like tells you basically what's going to happen, and then like fades to black. <laughs> Wait, well, or it describes things. Like, very nebulously. And, yes. Um, so, like, pretty mom-friendly. I would say this is, like, the um, most detailed male-male book that we've read, but still, oh. like, very fade to black, I would yeah, say. definitely. Um, what was your swooniest moment? I think my swooniest moment is in Munich when Dev has his um, depression episode, mm -hmm. and um, Charlie goes in and... and Deb's all upset and he's like I don't want you to see me like this and Charlie just gets under the covers and climbs in and yeah. and says no I'm not going anywhere and so then you know Deb just curls up on his chest and cries yeah and Charlie just holds him yeah. through the night yeah and I thought that was super sweet um and it goes nice in conjunction with like when Charlie reveals to Deb like he's like I have OCD and Deb's like okay Right. You know, like, they're just very accepting of each other, and I thought that was sweet. Um, honestly, like, trying to think of a moment, I couldn't think of, like, a specific moment. I just really love how much Charlie loved Deb. And it, like, comes down to, I think, Allison's writing, but just kind of the way she describes a lot of, like, his first feelings and, you know, like, the, the pressure in his chest and the butterflies in his stomach and, um... Just all these kind of, like, new reactions that he's having to Dev, I just thought were, like, really that he's sweet. never had to anyone before. Yeah. Little baby deer. Well, and, and um, you know, I don't think he's ever truly felt loved in his life. And yeah, really kind of sweet. <laughs> I know. Poor baby. Um, 
Okay, for now we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll be hearing from some of you on what you think of the Charm Offensive, so stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title from Rebecca Zanetti, You Can Run. Hi No Yomos, Ellen here with another recommendation, this time one for our listeners who are looking for a little more action and suspense with their romance. The Blacklist meets Luther, combined with Justified in a brand new romantic thriller series by New York Times and U.S. Today bestselling author Rebecca Zanetti. As FBI Special Agent Laurel Snow, a rising star profile profiler, strives to stay one step ahead of the criminal mind and discovers that her own demons may be the hardest to outrun. Laurel Snow wouldn't call hunting a serial killer a vacation, but with a pile of dead bodies unearthed near her Genesis Valley Washington hometown, she'll take what she can get. Yet something about this case stirs her in unexpected ways, like the startling connection she feels to Dr. Abigail Kane, a fiercely intelligent witness with a disturbing knack for making Laurel feel like she has something on her. Then there's Laurel's attraction to Huck Rivers, the fish and wildlife officer guiding her to the crime scene and into the wilderness. A former soldier and trained sniper, Huck seems to have his own secrets, not least of which are his whereabouts the night yet another woman disappears. And when the body is dumped where Laurel can't help but find it, she knows this cat and mouse game is deeply personal. Once in the heart of darkness with Huck, Laurel must negotiate her conflicting feelings for him, her complex rapport with Abigail, and her mission to find a serial killer among a growing list of suspects, and a danger that's far too close to home. So close, in fact, Laurel fears she will never find her way back to the woman she once was. So basically what I'm getting is it's a murder show with romance. And you can probably guess that Mom and I are on board. So if you want to find out more, you can find You Can Run by Rebecca Zanetti wherever books are sold. Find out more about it at kensingtonbooks.com. And we'll see you for the next recommendation. Bye. Welcome back. Okay, so now, more importantly than us, we don't want to, <laughs> yes. who cares what we think, we want to hear from what you guys think about the Charm Offensive. So first up, we have Arthur, who sent in an email, and he says, This was most certainly a love for me. I was always cheering for Dev and Charlie with their quick-witted banter giving off red, white, and royal blue vibes. I also appreciated the complexity and the authenticity of the depictions of mental health in the asexual spectrum. Admittedly, the diversity of Ever After, a show whose, heteronor- whose heteronormativity is obsessed obviously drawn from The Bachelor, and the idealized denouement can come off as a bit too unrealistic when you take in our current world. On the other hand, I think it's helpful to have a wish fulfillment fantasy like this to leave us a little happier than we were before and even give us the fuel to turn it into a reality. But it definitely isn't the breezy rom-com that its cartoon cover presents it as being. What with its portrayal of OCD, depression, anxiety, tax, racism, homophobia, and familial estrangement due to mental health. Not that I'm criticizing the book for including such sobering elements. I actually love the respect and care with which Allison wrote about them. I just wish the publishing world would take more steps to make it clear on the outset that that you're about to dive into some dark material. 
However, I do have a major criticism for the book in regard to its portrayal of Dev as an Indian character. Honestly, this didn't even occur to me until I found other reviews that pointed it out. But now that I look back on it, Dev's cultural background wasn't really fleshed out. When authors write outside of their own life experiences, example, a white author writing a main character as BIPOC, it's crucial for them to do their uh, research and run their material by sensitivity readers, something that it doesn't feel like Allison did while writing Dev. I still love the book, but it's also important to be able to call out problematic issues in anything you admire. Um, fair enough. If that's a criticism that's being, um, lobbed at the book or I don't know. Um, I didn't feel that way necessarily, but I think if they had brought in another issue, it would have bogged the book down even more. Well, so. and I think that, um, you know, there's, um, he does talk about not looking like other people. Well, or he has his and... Bollywood romance that he's trying to get and he recognizes that it's not like a story that a lot of people like is going to be an easy sell and things like that um I don't know like I think that there's people that their cultural and racial identity is a really big part of their identity to them and I think that there's people that it plays less of a role in kind of their own self-identity and maybe Allison just wanted to write him as one yeah. where, or maybe just in this particular story, it wasn't something where it was going to come up a bunch. I don't know. I mean, um, but if obviously as me being a white woman, I'm, I'm going to not dwell on it as much as, um, you know, someone of an Indian background reading the book and having, you know, problems with it. So if that's um, a concern that people are voicing, then Fair enough, I guess. That's, um, you know, that's their opinion and they're definitely entitled to it. Um, Kayla says, this one was a really like for me, but not a total five-star love. The beginning felt a bit slow, but I really enjoyed it once things picked up. I enjoyed the contrast between buttoned-up Charlie and disheveled Dev, and I also thought Allison's take on the Bachelor franchise was spot on. I would definitely recommend it to others, but I don't think I'd ever reread it. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of the same. Like I, I loved it, but I don't think I'd ever reread well, it. Well, the reason I wouldn't reread it is just because of the one reason we pointed out. I think it yeah. kind of gets bogged down in, in yeah. a lot of the, um, mental health issues, which is fine. And, and I enjoyed reading it and I enjoyed what I learned from it, but it's not something I would necessarily Like, I'm definitely again. glad I read it, but, yeah. um... Yeah, I don't know that it's going to be, like, a. it's not going to become a comfort read, I would say. Or a read every year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Catherine says, aw, I love this one. I love how Charlie and Deb are both sweethearts, which they totally are. I was trying to think of, like, this is Ellen now talking. Um, I was thinking, like, what's another book where there's just, like, two cinnamon rolls? And I kept, I was thinking of Twice Shy because they're both just such cinnamon rolls in that one, too. And I think that both of these guys are... Definitely yeah. same, same vibe. Anyway, uh, Catherine continues. They're both such sweet sweethearts, but opposites at the same time. Daphne's reaction to Angie being bi only makes sense once you know her character arc, because when it first happens, you're like a social worker afraid of gay people. Maybe social work isn't for you. 
I was ready to hate Ryan, and oh, I so did in the first half of the book, but when you get to the part where he's fixing Dev's dad's computer, you remember that even people, good people, can be bad boyfriends. Truth. The acknowledgments made me cry, but Allison Cochran, I hate to break it to you, but people who were in high school 11 years ago are definitely part of your target audience. <laughs> your former students aren't all kids anymore and are indeed probably reading this book. Overall, a huge win for me. Is it too early to nominate Dev for Hero of the Year? Um, I would much, I would I definitely, would Charlie. Charlie, but, um, I mean, I love Dev. I absolutely yeah. love Dev and I loved how patient and, and loving he was with, with Charlie and his yeah. awakening and everything, but I just loved Charlie. Yeah. And in the, um, acknowledgements, Alison Cochran kind of like mentions, you know, like it's dedicated to her students that she used to work with and it's like. And she says, but I hope that none of them are reading this book because um, oh, they're all reading it. Yeah. Especially if you said, I hope they're not reading it, then that's what word's going to get around and they're <laughs> going to all go read it. Um, Cassie said, I love this book. It did a great job with the bachelor setting and the banter and relationship development felt reminiscent of red, white and royal blue without being too similar. Deb and Charlie were both very interesting and sweet characters who were easy to root for along the way, even when they stumbled. The mental health representation was a little heavy at times, and I do think it would be triggering for some people to read it if they're currently struggling with depression, anxiety, or OCD, but I thought it added to the story and was fleshed out pretty well. Overall, this book was a winner for me, and I'm surprised I haven't been hearing more people talk about it. Um, yes. Yeah. I um, well, I don't really do a lot of research in this stuff. I just read what Ellen tells me to read. That's very true. You do <laughs> do that. I do. Um, I will be the first to admit. Yeah, I mean, I think I heard about it first from the group. I think Lori maybe was one of the first to, like, give it a shout out. Um, and then I saw it pop up on the Goodreads, but that was kind of like, I'm like, oh, that's that book that popped up on the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ashley says, I really liked this one. I thought Deb and Charlie were really sweet together. I thought the author did a really good job of balancing lighter moments along with the more serious subject uh, subjects. However, I can't understand why some of the mental health representation could be triggering to someone. I can't remember if there were content warnings at the beginning of the book or not, but I think it's beneficial for someone to know going into this book. I liked all the side characters, however, I couldn't keep any of the contestants straight. Maybe that was intentional since Charlie wasn't interested in them either. My only quibble is how naive Deb seemed to be about the show. I get it was a big part of his childhood and he's been working there for but he's been working there for six years. You know the point isn't for people to find true love anymore. He got so defensive anytime someone mentioned how fake the show is and it blinded him to the fact that Charlie was clearly falling for him. Even until the end, he was so convinced Charlie was falling in love with Daphne. The guy flew in your favorite singer for a private concert for you, and he can't even stand to talk to Daphne. How many more clues do you need? <laughs> um, um, I agree wholeheartedly with he's worked there six years, and he doesn't know that this is you yeah. know, staged and manipulative. And I would bet that he found out the very first year he worked there how it's not... Like the romance, the first day you work there, <laughs> yeah, how it's, it's not the fairy tale romance that you think it is from watching the show. Yeah, and it's weird because it's like he he does seem aware of like the shenanigans and like the kind of backstage manipulations, but still like, I don't know, like he has this kind of um, rose colored glasses kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know, it's kind of strange. Um, and yeah, 
Charlie was so obviously in love with him. Yeah, I was like, dude. and I love how everybody around them knows that he's in love with him. Well, just the fact that he takes the risk of having a relationship with Dev when he's supposed to be doing, I'm the fact that he takes that risk, that should indicate how much he's in love with you, that he's willing mm -hmm. to pretty much throw away the possibility of anything, you know, yeah, to be with you. So, yeah. Like-minded Lori, let's see if she can keep it up. Um, she says, I thoroughly enjoyed this book when I read it a few months ago. I had hoped to sneak in a reread to refresh my thoughts before the podcast, but it didn't happen. So instead, here are my notes from what would have been my book report for the last free-for-all episode <laughs> if the book hadn't ended up on this reading cycle. Uh, Alison Cochran clearly loves love. She writes about the subject in such a beautiful way. Reading how Dev and Charlie feel for and fall for one another was an absolute delight. Poor Charlie, who it must be said was not there for the right reasons, which is a famous saying from The Bachelor. Okay, because I don't watch it. Um, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but I have to tell this story, even though you just heard it a little while ago. But, um, There's a story? I want to hear the there, amazing story. <laughs> bachelor story. Um, there was a season of The Bachelor, I think, where, like, all the guys wrote this really stupid rap about, like, being there for the right reasons. And so, like, they, they always were, like, right reasons. And um, so then that became, like, the thing that my friends and I, when we were watching it, we would, you know, anytime someone said, she's not here for the right reasons, we'd be, right reasons. Right reasons. <laughs> so that became our thing. Um, anyway. Lori says, poor Charlie has been conditioned to believe he isn't deserving of love, while Dev somehow seems to think HEAs are for everyone but him. Watching these two navigate a budding relationship behind the scenes of the dating show is simultaneously lovely and painful. Charlie is coming to grips with what he really wants for the first time in his life, while Dev is convinced the show is a priority even over his own happiness. Both of these guys struggle with some significant mental health issues. The book should probably come with a content warning. But there is a considerable difference between them. Charlie is trying to deal with his is trying to deal with his anxiety and OCD in healthy ways, and over the course of the book, we see him grow stronger and more confident. Meanwhile, Dev is determined to avoid dealing with his depression, and the results are truly devastating. The way the story ultimately works out in the end might not feel completely believable, and yet I was 100% okay with that. I was totally rooting for these guys, and in the heightened context of a reality dating show, the fact that things wrapped up in such an over-the-top way felt sort of appropriate. And even though I've never really been a fan of the Bachelor franchise, it is such a cultural cultural juggernaut, it's impossible to not see and appreciate the winks, nods, and overt similarities in Cochran's version. Overall, this book was one of my favorite reads in 2021. I do like that she points out that Charlie, who has been trying to deal with things, gets better and better. Yeah. Where Dev, who has just kind of been... Kind of backslides. And he kind of starts spiraling. And, and it's... Um, yeah, it's a good point. And um, I'm glad that Dev was getting help and he didn't. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I, I think... Um, the ending, I didn't think too much about the ending because kind of like Lori said, it's, um, because it's a reality dating show, you knew it was going to be some like big over the top yeah. silly, um, you know, live TV confessional. Um, and I could 
I think because I, I've watched enough Bachelor, I could see it coming, how it was going to play out, especially when, like, he had ghosted them for three months, and it's like, oh, no, it's the live finale. I'm like, oh, no, what's going to happen? <laughs> what could possibly happen here? <laughs> um, so, like-minded Lori gets to uh, stay keep, on her pedestal. Keep her title. Yeah. Um, Raquel says, I struggle with nearly the first half of this book, probably because the bachelor like setting reminding me of one to watch a book I wanted to love, but ultimately didn't. Is this reality dating show thing a new trope I haven't heard of? Anyways, back to the charm offensive. It felt like it dragged on and on until it didn't. I'm so glad I kept reading because I loved this book. I loved both Charlie and Dev. I loved them together. I loved the side characters. Parisa was great. One thing I found interesting was that although Maureen is sort of the villain, she's not much on the page, which is very true. She's more like this invisible evil hand in the background, and I love the way that was resolved with the threat of a lawsuit for discrimination. Again, Parisa was great, even if she was still bought out, which sad but true, but kept things realistic. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to have those breaks where, like, the, the script breaks where you just kind of see Maureen always there in the background, like, leaving these kind of, yeah. like, cynical notes. You mean at the and... end of each chapter where they showed a bit of the script? Yeah. And then all the stuff they were crossing out. We can't use any of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Raquel continues. I also wanted to add that this book taught me a lot about the asexuality spectrum, which might say more about my own lack of knowledge than of the book itself. And I love when a book does that, teach you something, open up your mind to as to what love and sexuality look like to others out there in the world. Lastly, people typically think of romance novels in terms of happily ever afters, which, fair enough, is what we as readers expect from the genre. But it's often not only straight couples, but very white, very U.S.-based, extremely cookie-cutter characters, obviously hot and young, who have their shit together. And if not, they're quirky. <laughs> all this to say, it's always so nice to see more diversity and representation of all kinds in romance. Yeah, and that's why, like, I really want to make clear that I really like that there's these two, you know, people with their own issues and that they are still deserving and worthy of love and can have that together, and that's great. I just think that for my time and place, it was a lot to read about. <laughs> um, but yes, all, all very well said, Raquel. Um, Lauren says, Swoon, I love a Bachelor-inspired book, and this has been my favorite. Loved the characters, loved the representation of mental health, the careful description of sexuality spe spectrum felt a little clunky, but otherwise a wonderful debut, and can't wait for more of her books. Um, yes. Yes, and I can see the sexuality spectrum feeling... It's a little, um exposition-y, I guess, like a little show-not-tell, I guess, when they're having the conversations with Parisa and stuff like that, and she's kind of well, like... Well, it's also kind of... Necessary? Clinical, in a yeah. way. Yeah. Where it's just like, this is what, you know, if you were writing a textbook about it, this yeah. is what it would be. So it was, it was, I think that's what she means by kind of clunky. Yeah, I get that. Um, Maida says, I happened to read this book right after Twice Shy, so it was a lot of heroes managing mental health in a row. Well... He was so sweet, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I liked this one a lot. This middle, uh, the middle bogged down a bit, but overall, Charlie and Dev were so sweet to each other. I loved their first puzzing date, and I would like to watch Dev's queer Bollywood rom-com. Yeah, me too. 
sounded fun. Jen said, this was a re-listen for me, and I really liked it. Charlie and Deb were amazing heroes. I loved seeing Charlie transform from uptight and awkward to comfortable in his own skin. I really liked the mental health rep and the way Charlie and Deb talked out their issues, eventually. All this while still being fun and charming. Uh, this was on its way to being my favorite book of 2021. Then the conflict happened, and I wasn't crazy <laughs> on how it all played out. I would have preferred Charlie and Deb work together to take down Maureen and a surprise proposal to Deb on the finale. But I suppose the author wanted Deb to work on himself first. Um, which, you know, is important. Uh, Ashley says, why is this book called The Charm Offensive? Did I miss something? And somebody <laughs> replied and explained that it's because Deb is set the task of going on the Charm Offensive to kind of even out Charlie a bit, so. And I previously made the comment <laughs> that, <laughs> that I'd never heard that saying before. Yes. I said, is that a thing? Um, Apparently it is. Yeah. That being said, Ashley continues, I loved this book. Charlie, no, Dev was amazing, and I laughed so much with him. He had no shame about the cargo shorts or the flip-flops and was a joy for my <laughs> brain to imagine. I have to say, the flip-flop thing, sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to... Um, yeah. Ellen and I have traveled together many times, and Ellen will wear flip-flops, and I'm like, we're going to be walking all over the place. How can you walk in those horrible shoes? And she always seems to pull it off. We've walked all around Disneyland with you in flip-flops, which, which is kind of gross. By all way. over Spain. I walked all over Spain. All over Spain. I will say, that was when I was a lot younger. A lot younger. It's harder to pull off these days. Yeah. My feet are not what they once were and it's probably because i was walking around all over spain in flip-flops and flip-flops and it would it would grate on me i was like put on some regular shoes we're gonna be walking all over the place i'm fine and i was okay <laughs> so get off your freaking <laughs> high horse anyway back to ashley's comment uh she says I loved Charlie. I loved his dry humor and amazing awkwardness. I appreciated that he didn't freak out, that he was attracted to another guy, and was 100% in it for the person. I liked that Ryan seemed to be a prick, but really wasn't. The book did feel a tiny bit long, but it, I was still okay with it. Dislikes. Dude. Dev. Don't delete messages or turn your phone off. Uh. I'm glad he still listened to Charlie's messages, but why shut out people like Jules? Charlie literally told you he loved you and asked you to stay, and you freaking Irish exited him. I need, I still need <laughs> Ashley to explain to me what Irish exited. Is it offensive? Yeah. Should we be offended? We or if it's a typo? <laughs> um, fill me in, Ashley. Come on, Dev, what's wrong with you? Says Ashley. Um, also, maybe a little bit too much vomit. A lot of vomit. A lot of vomit. Yeah. Oh, man. After that, the night after they uh, drank Went, heavily. Drink. Yeah. And then everybody was, it was Puke like a vomitorium in yeah. their bathroom. I was yeah. like, ugh. Gosh. I'm glad. Oh, the smell. <laughs> Just thinking of the smell <laughs> is doing me in. Um, I'm glad Dev left to figure his shit out, even if he did it the wrong way. I'm glad they talked about OCD and anxiety and didn't make it the main focus of the love story or problems. I really enjoyed this read and would like to see what else Allison Cochran has out there. I don't think much yet. <laughs> I think she's working on it. Give her, give her a second. Give her a minute. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer says, I loved this book, even though I don't really like reality TV. Like Charlie, I love The Expanse, which I've heard is a good show. Such a great show, says Jennifer. I've never so watched it. That answers that. 
Uh, anyway, as others have said, the mental health and the LGBTQIA plus representation and the love story are all compelling. I also want to add that this book is funny. See, for example, lines like, Ryan looks like a pirate who is going to try to upsell you rental car insurance. <laughs> um, yeah, there is a lot of, like, funny lines yeah. in this book. I mean, like, I think that's... So, it is impressive how... Like I said, I personally got bogged down, but it's, I still enjoyed reading it. Yeah. Like, it was still, like, a very enjoyable light read, despite dealing with, like, a lot of really heavy stuff. Agreed. Jennifer continues. And how Dev's cargo shorts are made fun of through the whole book. Pri says, my favorite side character. One interesting thing about the writing. I don't think I've ever read a romance novel written in third person present tense. If it's written in present tense, it's usually first person. Unusual. I wonder why she made that choice. I think because it was such an emotional story that being present tense amplified the emotions. Curious as to what others think about that. Um, I did notice that. Mom didn't. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, I know, I can tell you what tense it's written in. I, I get what tense is, but it doesn't affect me one way or the other, as well as it's well written in whatever tense it's in. Yeah, I always end up writing, like, when I write, um, when I write, I always end up writing present tense. Um, I don't know why. I've tried writing past, and I, for whatever reason, like, can't always, like, wrap my head around, like, I get it. I understand what it is, but, like, it just does, it never comes off. I have no problem reading it, but it comes off, uh, like, weird in my voice, I think, that I usually write in. I think my voice usually works better in first person, first person, present. Um, but, yes, when I write present, it is always, it It also makes more sense to my brain to be But we've had people who have said, I, I can't stand reading first person, and I, I, I don't... Or present or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't understand how you can completely be put off by a tense. And, um, I don't know, that's just weird to me, but... Yeah, because, like, I'll usually notice it, but then I don't think too much more about it once I've noticed yeah, it. As long as it's well written, I don't yeah. care what tense it's in. Yeah. Kendra says, it may be the Charlie in me, but this book stressed me out. <laughs> I was so worried about Deb's job and Charlie's job prospects. That said, I really enjoyed this book. I appreciated how it dealt with OCD, anxiety, panic attacks, and depression. I love the message that we all deserve to be loved exactly as we are. Swoon. Not a fan of the reality dating shows, and after reading this, I don't think I will be. Mildly traumatized by the stress fest, but very glad I read it. Stress fest. <laughs> I, I didn't stress about any of that, just because as soon as he came out and said, I've written Deb a... was already stressing enough about it for the both of us. Right. Okay? And as soon as he came out and said, I've written a screenplay, I was like, okay, he's going to leave this job and go write screenplays. <laughs> yeah. Although and... that's never like clearly. Well, it... yeah. Because well, there's no epilogue or anything. It. No. But, um, or Parisa was trying to. Yeah. Get hook him up. up. And she did hook him up with an agent. He said he oh, had yeah. an agent. Okay. Um, and as soon as we met Josh, I knew that. Charlie was not going back to that job. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, Jill says, this was a strong leg for me. I love that the two characters genuinely cared for each other and their mental health. I really appreciated the asexual representation and talking about the spectrum because there, that is something I am unfamiliar with. My biggest beef, in my opinion, there are two types of people in this world. Bachelor Nation and Bravo. You can appreciate both, but your alliances may rest in one camp. I used to like The Bachelor, but once it became all about fame and Us Weekly covers, I was just too cyn cynical to keep going. 
And I am just cynical enough to love The Real Housewives. So maybe there could be a book set in that world where producer and cast member fall in love amidst the table flipping and wine throwing. Um, I am much more a Bachelor Nation, if anything, but um, I'm here for that Real Housewives book. <laughs> um, I, wow, my dog is really going today. Well, with, he's been here for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he has. Bless him. Um, but... I've never gotten into the Bravo stuff. I think that is a little bit too much of what mom was talking about with the cattiness and stuff like that. And I watch drag queens. Um, so that should tell you <laughs> that they get really catty. Um, well, and you were never into like um, Jersey Shore or any of that kind of stuff. No, or the Hills or any of those. But um, I, I like my, <laughs> I like my reality TV with a dash of competition. I don't love just the, like, let's follow these people around while they shop and eat at restaurants. Um, that's not, like, my jam. Um, and I I stopped watching Bachelor just because it got so damn long. I would watch episodes of it and, like, fast forward through all the fluff and I would watch, like, ten minutes of the show. Because once you fast forward through, it's like, okay, yep, we get it. Yep, okay, okay. Well, it's very repetitive. It is. And it's, like, somebody gets, like, their storyline, and then, like, that's all they talk about. And I'm like, okay, yep, I get it. You have a dead dad. Well, okay, and they sorry. feel the need to <laughs> Which sounds really build up the but... tension over and over and over and over again, you know, oh. for the commercial, before each commercial break. And it's, okay, we get it. All right, you're going to string us along. Yeah. Some more. Yeah. But I need to say, because I, I said a perhaps insensitive comment, but I... I, I wasn't listening to you. Yeah, I know you weren't. Um, <laughs> but other people might have been. Um, but I, d- I doubt it. <laughs> You're so rude. But I get annoyed on, real- on reality shows how somebody has, like, a dead family member or something, and then that's all that they talk about for, like, the entire season. And because then it makes me feel like an insensitive jerk because I'm like, okay, I get it. Your dad is dead. Okay, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> unfortunate. But, like... Let's move on. Um, that makes me sound rude. Well, you are. But it's just the reality juggernaut that I don't like. Okay. Um, they play on it and play on it. Yes. And play on it. Like if you're a virgin and they play on it and play yes, on it. Okay, we get it. they've done that. I know. And I'm just saying that probably any thing that you have, yes, they, just they really harp on it. focus on that. Yes. Um, American Idol used to really play the dead relative card. Like a lot. Like, if somebody had a dead relative, that's all you'd hear about all the time. Anyway. Lori says, my high school romance book club, which is an actual thing that she does, and I love it. And we have... We've talked to her book club, and they're very sweet. Um, But she says that they read this and hosted a visit with the author recently, which is awesome. Everyone loved the book, which never happens, and Allison was absolutely lovely. I loved the mental health representation, the best friends, and all the reality show details. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad that they yeah, got to have that, that experience. Yeah, that is cool. Gail says, I like the Charm Offensive, but I loved Charlie and Dev. They each had some aspect of themselves that I could very much relate to. I thought the book had a very slow start, and it did feel somewhat stressful, I think, because of what the characters were going through. 
Given Charlie's probable demisexuality, the story moves a bit fast, I thought. But I still like the relationship. I did like the focus on making sure that they were each healthy and dealing with their issues. I thought it was interesting to be reading a book about two male homosexual characters in a week in which there has been discussion on Twitter about cisgender women authors writing male-male romance. I did see the note at the end of the novel in which the author talked about how the process of writing the charm offensive helped her to come to a better understanding of her own sexuality and her own mental health issues. I thought that was really good and I'm glad that this helped her, but I think it's a good to interrogate our own motivations with regard to reading romance about characters that identify differently <coughs> than what we do. It's certainly good to use novels to gain a better understanding of others' perspectives and I think this book could do that even though it is not an own voices novel. Um, yeah, I think that is an interesting and, um, complicated discussion. Um, I don't think it's fair, though, to say just because you're a white heterosexual woman, you can only write about white heterosexual women. I mean, I definitely think it's important to give more voice, I get, I don't know, to, you know people who are actually homosexuals yeah. writing male-male romance. I think that's important that they obviously get their their chance to tell their own story. Um, but I think we, you, it's like, it's hard to draw lines in the sand on what people can and can't write because, like, then nobody gets to write a mixed-race romance because... You know, it's like, I can't write a white woman falling in love with a black man because then, so like, who gets to write that story? And, or, I don't know, any anything like that. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, if you read it and you don't agree with the way they wrote it, then that's your prerogative, but... I think we should give people a chance to yeah, and explore I think different obviously, things. Obviously, I think it's very important that if you do try to do that, you, like, are super sensitive and have lots of sensitivity writers and things like, or readers and things like that. But, um, I don't know. I think I, it's, I think it starts to get... It's a slippery slope when yes. you start censoring yes. what people can or should or shouldn't write about. Yes, I guess. is Because, you know, we still want our books to be diverse and in, in its cast of characters like I think it's important to get you know books like um books that have kind of underrepresented uh groups um be at the forefront but also if I'm reading a book um I want there to be a diverse cast of characters and that's gonna not always be written by you know, a yeah. person that is yeah. of every race that is represented. <laughs> so, I don't know. That, that's that's where I land on that. Um, Mom, any final thoughts on the Charm Offensive? No. Again. I, I thought it was a, a great read. I, you know, very close loved it. If he hadn't turned off his freaking phone. Yeah. No. But, um, anyway, I think we've covered the things that we had quibbles with. and Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Twice we've done it. Yeah. Um, but they've only listened to once. So. Yeah, I know. Bless them. Um, <laughs> yes. So close to a love. If I think, I think at a different time, I might have 
definitely giving it a love because I loved them. I loved their love story. I loved, yeah, I love love. <laughs> so and those, that's why we're here. And that's why we're here. <laughs> those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on the Charm Offensive by Allison Cochran. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom. Or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On February 14th, Valentine's Day, also the day I start jury duty, we'll be discussing <laughs> a not-so-me-cute by Megan Quinn. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show, and we just love to read them. All right. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. All right, buddy. Bye. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.